to cast that. What is one of your favorite proverbs? Does anybody have a favorite proverb? Amen. Set them up. Knocked them down. That's a wise man to seize an opportunity. How about Proverbs 3, 5? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And... Lean not unto thine own understanding. Do you realize that God is very, very methodical? Everything that scientists think that they have discovered, He created. So for all the mathematicians that love the rules of math, For all the scientists that love the scientific method and the laws of thermodynamics and Newton's laws of physics, and we can go into these things and they love them and they study them and they get into it and they debate it. God loved it too. He created it. He, you are merely discovering what he thought up. Kind of like today. There's no such thing as cold, according to the law of thermodynamics. There's only heat or lack of heat. That's it. But it's not called cold. Because in the property of thermodynamics, when I put ice into my drink, the ice does not make my drink cold. What is actually happening is my drink is warming the ice up. The heat transfers. Now, I know that's weird. I know that's weird. So what you're experiencing is you warming up the air. That's why you're cold. Because... It has less thermal, thermal activity than you do, so it is drawing the energy from you. All the time. But hear me. I know, I know, I know. This is a lot to process in the morning. I get it. I get it. We'd, we, yeah, I know. I'm keeping it at layman's terms. There is no test. I promise. But God is an all-consuming fire. It is Him constantly transferring Himself to us because we are the ones that are lacking. It is Him heating us up. It is Him changing us. It is Him flowing to us. It is His Spirit that is given into us. And this is through the wisdom of God that this was always meant to be.
This is our Lord. And when we look at trust in the Lord, you have to get to a place where you can trust before you're willing to forfeit your understanding. Because lean not on your own understanding is to completely forfeit what you think you know. I can sit here and I know nothing. I really don't. Now, I might know more than you. You might know more than me. But it is ignorant for us to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. Because I'm not forfeiting my understanding for yours. And you're not forfeiting your understanding for mine. We are leaning unto the Lord and His understanding. Wisdom is difficult to define. If you look it up in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, they actually do not define wisdom. They know how to define knowledge, and they'll list it. They know how to define experience, and they list that. Because wisdom is actually made up of multiple parts. Wisdom is defined as having knowledge and coupled with experience that works alongside deep understanding and the ability to not be shaken by unforeseen circumstance. So, when the Lord created the world, there has been nothing that has caught him off guard. Nothing. But the Lord is amazing in the fact that he created it all. Because our God is unconditional love. Amen? Now, I would argue that with unconditional love is the inability to wall yourself off from that which you love. Which means that when I transgress, when the world transgressed, it strikes God on the deepest, most personal level it can because he does not possess the ability to protect himself from us. He is God Almighty. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. But a wall is a condition. Which says, you can only be loved by me if you do this. Now, his blessings are conditional. His love is not. It is a mistake that I made 
coming into the church to believe that somehow I could earn his affection. The wisdom of God tells me that is foolishness. That is not proper. My understanding of who he was as a father could only be reshaped when he was willing to redefine what a father is supposed to be. And that required wisdom. And it also required him to build up enough trust in me that I was willing to forfeit what I thought I understood a father meant. And since that day, God has taken me on a journey, as I'm sure he has taken you on yours. But with wisdom, we have to look at what does it mean to have wisdom? I would dare say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had wisdom. They were taught by the superpower of their day, brought into captivity, and taught by Babylon. And I'm sure that they rose above everybody else. And yet there was a wisdom that not even the king understood. My God is greater than you. My God can save. But whether he delivers me from fire has no bearing on whether or not this moment is going to deliver me from you. Either the fire removes me from you or I walk out of the fire and I'm still removed from what you think you know. Because his understanding was destroyed by what he saw in the fire. That, church, is what we strive to. That is what we strive to get to in the church. Nowhere will you find in Scripture that anyone saw the fourth man save Nebuchadnezzar. It is important that when others look into our fiery trials, they see who is with us. Even if you can't. Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The enemy's wisdom will not prosper against you. It does not mean it will not hurt you. It doesn't say no weapon shall not be used. It just won't strive and finish what it set out to do. It might come close, sometimes within millimeters. But you know, 
if you still got a mustard grain of faith, you have everything. What is wisdom worth to you? The Bible tells us that it is more precious than silver, more precious than jewels, more precious than gold. Its ways are peace. And yet, how much time do I pursue wisdom? Worldly wisdom is not the same thing as godly wisdom. Now, I, I don't discredit worldly knowledge. The old saying goes, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom knows that you don't put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> right? There are things that this world, through its knowledge, will discover is pointing towards the Lord. The visible things declare the invisible Creator. James Webb Telescope, which I love, I've loved science since I was a kid, has cost us $10 billion. Well, at least it's working. <laughs> Ten billion dollars. And there was a discovery that the James Webb Telescope discovered that quietly went under the carpet, did not make headlines, and out it went. And so what would the James Webb Telescope discover that has shaken all astrologists? The James Webb Telescope has disproven the Big Bang Theory. Because as you look further into the light trace, if there was expansion... The further I go back in that light stream, at some point, the galaxies should appear that they were closer. And yet, the further they look, they just remain the same size. All of them. Everywhere they look, they never see collision patterns within galaxies, and there should be. There's no tail of where it separated and where there should have been destruction. So what is this pointing to? It's pointing to what I already know. Now that's not the conclusion they came to because the world just can't jump to godly wisdom. So now they're on to, well, it all came from a plasma stream. Well, I, you know, you want to call it a plasma stream? I'll call it the river of living water coming from the throne. But he was still speaking it. I don't know what you're arguing about. 
Because the world's wisdom cannot receive what God wants to let them know. The deep calls unto the deep. My ability to gain wisdom is my ability to follow Christ. Because I will not be able to get godly wisdom unless He gives it. It is not something I can teach myself to have. To prove the point, everybody in this room has probably got a promise from God. In fact, if you're willing to pray, God just starts giving promises. Especially if you're out here. If you don't think you have a promise, you need to read Acts 2.38. And Acts 2.39, you already have a promise. This promise is unto you. Salvation is here. You just need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he says, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. First promise. You will receive this. First promise. And once you receive that, you are unlocking more promises than you can remember. Your promises and what God can do with a promise. He told Abraham, if you can count the stars, be my guest. Because then you'll understand what I can do with a promise. And here's the thing, is they say on any given night, the human eye can perceive about 5,000 stars. But that's only what he can see. And that's wisdom, is realizing what I'm able to perceive is only a minute fraction of what God is actually talking about. I would argue and I would debate with anyone that Paul, the apostle, at the end of his life, I would, I would declare to you that he would probably claim to know God less than he thought he knew when he was Saul of Tarsus. I would say that Saul of Tarsus thought he knew exactly who God was. To the point, God would want me to destroy these people. And for all the deep revelation that he ever got, he came to the conclusion, we only see him through a glass darkly. But there is coming a moment he said, there's coming a moment where I will know him as I am known. And he knows me completely. Nothing is hid. And he said, I am going to get to that place where I am going to know him as I thought I did. Because the wisdom of God showed him you don't know me like you thought you knew me. 
And it started from his very first encounter. Who are you, Lord? What a question for somebody who thinks he knows God. I'm not picking, I'm not picking on Paul. Paul's one of my heroes. But boy, look where his understanding brought him. You didn't know him. You didn't even know his voice when he spoke. But bam, here's God. Here's God. That's wisdom. I know why I made you. I know what I can do with you. Here's the thing. For all our promises, I have never received a promise ever that I knew about until he told me. I never knew about a promise until he let me know it was there. I mean, I know the ones that I can read about. But when I'm up at the the altar and the Holy Ghost just starts to pour in, and he says, Mitchell, and he just, bam, gives that promise. I didn't know that was there. But you know what my understanding does? My understanding goes, got the promise. I know how this is going to (laughs) happen. Wait a minute. You didn't even know that was a possibility. Why are you going to assume you know every step that is going to manifest to bring this to come to pass? Really bold. And yet, I find myself doing it a lot. I find myself doing it often, which is why I watch chess videos. Because I watch men move pieces on a board And then they'll, well, what's the next move? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what these men are thinking. Sometimes I can get it, but I don't know why I got it. (laughs) It just seemed like the best move. But if you follow their conclusion, they see 14 steps in front of them and they explain their entire thought process. This is where we're going to end up. And I'm like, man, I didn't even know what my opponent was going to do next. Now, church, if I can't see a move on an eight by eight board, how am I going to look at God and be like, hey, I know what we should do. When I don't even understand the game he's playing. I don't understand the rules. I am locked into time and he's outside of time. When he speaks, it's already imparted right to the moment that it's to come to pass. My word doesn't come back to me void. The moment you get a promise, your promise has come to pass. When he spoke, let there be light, there was no delay. Why do you believe your promise is any different? It just hasn't manifested in its appointed time. 
But if you look at time from his perspective, it has. He's telling you not what I'm going to do. He's telling you what I have done. And it's hard to wrap my head around because he's speaking past tense of my future. Right? I know that we could get into this. But read the book of Revelation. It's over. It's over. This is done. I mean, do we believe that? Well, I don't know why I can run around thinking that something that I am experiencing or witnessing somehow has changed the end of this book. Like, oh God, have you seen what's going on in the world? He has. <laughs> he really has. To the point that he wrote the end for you. Just so you could have peace. So you could have comfort. Because the paths of wisdom are peace. Do you know what a promise is? A promise is telling you where this journey ends up. Have you ever noticed that God gives you a promise before He gives you trial? David, you're the next king. Outstanding. No mention of wilderness. No mention of Saul. No mention of everything you had to go through. But Paul writes, Hey, the suffering of this isn't even worthy to be compared to the glory we're moving to. So David, yes, you have to go through a wilderness. But he's bringing you to a place where you're going to know him in a way you never have. David sat there and fought a lion. David sat there and fought a bear. All so that he could get prepared for a Goliath. I would argue that he fought a Goliath so he could be prepared for a Saul. Because my battles are not the toughest when I'm allowed to hit back. Because I know greater is he that is in me. If I'm allowed to go at you, this isn't really a fight. Yeah, you might get your licks in, but I know who wins. But what do you do when God says, absolutely not, don't touch? Well, have you, have you, have you seen? <laughs> That's hard. I asked right at the beginning, what is the most difficult stand you have ever made for your faith? Being told no. By God. How about wait? I'm all instant. And we're in an instant generation. I want to know anything. I can pull it up right now. 
And then here comes God. Wait. Wait. Lord, Lord, you didn't say anything about this. Trust me. He says that a lot. Trust me. Why does he say that a lot? Because obviously I'm not trusting him. So he's reminding me, trust me. You know, when the Lord moved and he raised up that 12-year-old girl, he hit the shore and the ruler of the synagogue met him there. He knew how his so-called co-workers felt about Jesus. But he didn't care. Because there are things where you can get so desperate, I could care less what it costs me. I don't care at all. If it costs me my job, so what? If it costs me my livelihood, so what? If it gives me a chance to save my kid. Now, I would argue and I would propose that the woman with the issue of blood got her healing because Jesus was on the move to his request. He met him at the shore and said, can you come heal my daughter? Let's go. In that movement, the woman met Jesus while he was on his way towards the daughter. We, I, can find myself being discouraged because I'm watching others get their prayers answered while mine is being told to wait. But what if the reason people are getting your prayers, their prayers answered is because God is moving on yours? It positioned him for her to touch him. What if your prayer request positions him for others who would in otherwise not approach? This woman still had an issue of blood and she wasn't on the shoreline. The other thing is, is where was his house? The servant had to come to inform your daughter died. How far was his home? I could make the argument that the servant started to leave the moment that request did. What happens when you're praying for one thing and God said yes because he knows the circumstance better than you do? Oh, I'm asking for a healing. You're praying for your daughter. 
I will do better than healing. You need resurrection. Church, what if when you're praying for your kid, Lord, heal them, and the Lord's like, well, I will do one better. They're backslidden. I will resurrect. What happens when we lean on his wisdom? What is it worth to me? Because it's going to come at a price. It will. Paul said that in the third heaven, there were things that were spoken that are unlawful to be spoken down here. Another translation says they were so sacred that they cannot be put into words. Now hear me, because what I'm about to say, I don't want you to jump to conclusions. And I tread lightly, and I'll take the spanking with it. I believe in one God. I absolutely believe in one God. But James says, you believe in one God, that is well. Even the devil believes and trembles. If the only thing that I ever have to offer another congregation is my understanding that he's one, I am at a demonic level that only the devil can offer. Why am I not offering more than what the devil ever can? If Paul can get into a dimension where wisdom is imparted beyond words and Satan has been cast to the earth, we're talking about a dimension that Satan can't know. But if God is no respecter of persons, it also means it's open to anyone who wants it. But are you willing to, pray, to pay the price it costs to get that wisdom? Because it will come at a cost. But so does denying it. Saying no has a price too. Which price can you live with? What is the wisdom of God worth to me? When I sit here and I think about all that the Lord has done, I never, ever would have thought he would have brought me here. And I'm not talking sterling. First off, I wouldn't live on the peninsula. I don't like it. I'm just, I'm just being honest. This is a swamp. We call it a tundra. It's a cold swamp. I grew up around mountains. Do you see any? And you know what a, a person that's lived their whole life? Well, if you drive over here, you can see them. It's not what I meant. You know what I meant. There's more mosquitoes. Oh my goodness. I don't like those. <laughs> but I promise you, if you would have met me in the world, preacher is not something you ever would have thought. <laughs> me either. We both are shocked by that one. <laughs> 
But that's God's wisdom. I was a blasphemer. I don't say that boastfully. I say that transparently, a blasphemer. And not the way that you think. I was a blasphemer to the point that I made atheists nervous. I made them uncomfortable. I don't know if I would say that. Well, I just did. Now, don't you think that there was some little demon looking up at him? That's your creation, huh? Listen to how he talks about you. And no one would have known that the very thing the enemy had taught to become a weapon against him would be the thing he would use to be a weapon against the enemy. Everything we have is based upon the wisdom of God. We are Gentiles. You can't be born into this. You have to be born again. This is his wisdom. I believe when God made the earth and he rose the land out of it, he looked at this spot and blessed it. Because he knew a church was there. And when you drive past a city, where do you think are other places that he has sanctified that we have yet to see? Wisdom, the world's wisdom says, well, if you do, maybe you'll see. God's wisdom says, I said it, it's done. Now, what would happen if I stopped wasting my time praying about things he already said? What if I quit getting myself in a cycle of, oh God, you promised, is it still there? Oh God, I didn't, I didn't see this. God, I didn't see that. Well, you spoke. Is my faith based on my walk through sight? Or is my walk through faith? Do I have enough wisdom to have faith? Do I know enough about him to have faith? That no promise ever fails. The wisdom of God is worth it all. But no one can convince you of that. Only he can. And that only comes from relationship. That only comes when you give him opportunity to prove himself. Because God is worth everything. And he will show us things that we can't understand. Church, I hear the promises. Oh, we're going to get new buildings. I'm, I'm clapping. I'm claiming. I'm behind it. Oh, well, we need this. We need that. I, I, yes, 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 yes. I'm, I'm with you. But church, you don't need another building when you've already been given the city. The only reason 
you'll ever need a building is because you're willing to confine how much space he's allowed to operate in. This, I love this. But that, that's what he's given. Sterling belongs to this church. We may have a mayor. He is the ambassador. It belongs to this church. Wisdom knows that and operates as such. We talk about putting the praise up front. And I'm closing. We talk about putting the praise up front. What would happen if you started to realize you are put in time to fill it with praise? Do you realize how far the earth travels on its cycle? Do you realize how much of the second heaven you are filling with your praise as you wait on a promise? It's amazing. But only wisdom will have the faith to trust God that he knows what he's doing. Worldly wisdom will say, I don't know. That's not how I see it. So, what is wisdom worth to you? All right, well, that's my time. We are about ready to worship. I went a little over. I apologize. We are going to get ready to worship God, not according to what I understand, but according to what he says he is. Amen.